When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you don't normally listen to our show, this is going to be a little bit of a different show than we normally do. My name is Callie Dollar, and usually I am hosting a a five-day-a-week show about lifestyle and pop culture and all of that kind of stuff, but then we are doing bonus episodes for you that touch on things that are going on in real life. And right now, I am someone that is struggling to get pregnant, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot about fertility, and we're going to talk to an amazing fertility specialist that I'm about to dive headfirst into working with. Um, So a little bit about my fertility journey first is that I'm 36. Um, In 2018, I got pregnant. It took us four months to get pregnant. Eight weeks into our pregnancy, we lost the heartbeat, had a miscarriage. And I don't want it to sound like I'm being flippant about it. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, But that's part of the the timeline that I want to wanted to include. Um, and then after another year of trying and actually one week before my first fertility appointment, we found out we were pregnant with our daughter. So that took us about a year. We had a healthy baby girl. And as of the time that we're recording this, I am, um, have been trying to get pregnant, my husband and I, for seven months. And I just took a negative pregnancy pregnancy test this week. So that's where I am. Um, and that's why I am seeking out fertility help. I know this is something that people feel very stressed about, very scared of. And I want you to know that one, you're not alone in this. There are so many women going through this. And I hope at the end of this episode, you understand how many women go through it. And number two is that you have options and there are people that will not judge you, that will help you and that will hold your hand through this ridiculously hard, complicated (laughs) process. The upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Hi, um, my name is Dr. Valerie Libby, and I am a fertility specialist. I work at Shady Grove Fertility in Atlanta, Georgia. I am so happy to be here today talking with you all about fertility. And as Callie said, it is incredibly uh, estranging and you do feel very alone during the process. But like she said, you are not alone when you come see a fertility specialist, when you seek out help. And that's hard to do. Um, But we have so many patients that are going through the exact same thing that you are going through. And we know how to walk you through everything step by step. So basically, my story in a nutshell is that I am uh, originally from Atlanta, and I went to college and studied psychology and then graduate school for a master's in global health and then went to medical school and fell in love with infertility. And the reason is because I... um, 
was raised thinking that the most important thing in the world is reproduction and having children and lots and lots of babies, which my mom reminds me of every day. Um, and, uh, so with all that pressure and basically the only thing I thought about and also loving psychology and learning about each person and each couple's individual struggle, um, is so fascinating. And it's such a psychological experience that you have as an, as a infertility patient. Um, so I just, I love the psychological aspect as well as the scientific aspect and come from a long line of physicians as well. Went to medical school, then, uh, residency in OBGYN, which I am an OBGYN, uh, obstetric gynecologist. So I, I've delivered lots and lots of babies. Um, but then I went to three years of fellowship and specialty training for infertility, um, and now get to solely dedicate my practice to helping women, um, have babies and men. So yes. Um, okay. I want to talk about, so here's, here's where, first of all, I went to high school. I want to call you Val so bad. I'm like Dr. Libby. (laughs) Um, but I went to high school with Dr. Libby and that's how we know each other. And we, she was a year younger than I was. So we like knew of each other, but I don't think I've seen you since high school, Um, but we keep up on social media. But please do call me Val. Okay. (laughs) I was was so bad. It's against everything that I like feel because I still see you as like, you know, Val who wears like the letter jacket, you know what I mean? And now you're helping us get pregnant. Um, so I messaged her after a couple negative pregnancy tests and just said, Hey, I am. And I mean, this time around, I've taken so many negative pregnancy tests. I don't even know how many, but I said, Hey, I know this is like really silly, but I am about to be 36 years old and I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels and wasting my time. And I don't know if I have a problem and I've gotten pregnant before and had a healthy baby. So maybe I don't, but I feel like a weirdo for saying, okay, I want to talk to someone sooner. Like I want to take this into my own hands. And the first thing you said was it's never too early. How many How early is too early when you have someone that wants to talk about fertility? Yeah. Uh, Great question. And like I said to you, I still stand by the fact that if you are questioning your fertility, it is never too early to see a fertility doctor. And you can ask your OBGYN about it as well, um, but they may not have all of the tools and the training to be able to fully educate you on your fertility potential. So even if you are not infertile, you can still go see a fertility specialist to inquire about your fertility. For example, if you are a single woman freezing, you know, thinking about your future fertility and you're, you know, at any age and you just want to see where you're at on the spectrum of your eggs, of your egg declining since birth, you can go see a fertility specialist. Also, the definition of infertility, if you're under 35, is if you guys have been trying with regular intercourse for one year and haven't been able to conceive. But once you hit 35, that time limit goes down to six months. So six months of trying to conceive and haven't been able to. And then after 40, it's down to three months. So really... It doesn't, that's just infertility. But like I said, that's the definition of infertility. But even if you haven't hit that time definition of infertility, seek seek out help with a fertility specialist. So you don't have to like wait and then get a referral from someone else and then be told, oh, you're officially struggling. You can just say, hey, I want to know more and I want to talk to someone because I don't really understand all of this. And that's perfectly acceptable 
no matter what your age is. For sure. We don't, we do not, no, no fertility doctors say you need to have a referral. They just say, yeah, you just call the office and say, hey, can I get an appointment? They're like, sure. That's all. No questions asked. You, if you want an appointment, you get one. You do not need a referral from your OBGYN. You do not need an OBGYN. You do not need a primary care doctor. Just call the office and get an appointment. And just for the record, I had no idea that that was the case. So I was like telling Jeff because I had seen it um, like online because, you know, Dr. Google is like, okay, <laughs> if you've been trying for six months and then, and I was like, well, I can't, I can't. And then I think I have to have a referral. And I, so I was like almost too intimidated to pick up the phone, but that is definitely not the case. You don't have to wait. You can ask someone anytime. Um, and that's what they're there for. I would like to, so I had a consult with Dr. Libby and you gave me a more or less like five minute biology 101 <laughs> lesson on what happens when you're trying to get pregnant. And I feel like we should go over this for a couple of reasons. One, you are not stupid if you don't know what's going on with your body because we aren't really taught about our bodies. Like, you know, you and I took the same classes in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like what they tell you is pretty minimal. And they're just like, oh yeah, eggs pass through a fallopian tube and then you're pregnant and then sperm and, it ha you know, but you're not taught how how technical all of this is and how really pregnancy isn't a given. It takes a lot. A lot of things happen to perfectly line up in your body for that to happen. Can you walk us through your biology 101? No judgment because I did not know hardly any of this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I actually didn't even know this until I was in my specialty fertility training, most OBGYNs don't like know this. It is very hard to grasp. And only if you fully understand it and are taught it well, then you can actually teach your patient. So I have had great teachers. I am happy to explain this. It is mind blowing when you find this out. I remember, I just love telling patients and their eyes just are. My mouth, yeah. my jaw was like <laughs> on the floor. Yes. I'm like, wow, this is actually really complicated. It, it, it is. And then it all makes sense. You're like, oh yes. my gosh, it's amazing. Okay. So basically, in, so inside of your body as a woman, you should have two ovaries, you should have one uterus and off of the uterus is two fallopian tubes going to both of your ovaries. And then obviously the vagina at the bottom. So inside of each ovary, you have these little sacs, they're called follicles. And inside each follicle, you should have one egg. And when you, Callie, and all women out there were growing inside of your mom's belly, when she was 20 weeks pregnant with you, you had all the eggs that you're ever going to have for your 6 million eggs. By the time you were born, you had 1 million. By the time you have your first period, you have 400,000. And then by the time you have menopause, you have 1,000. So every single day since your mom was 20 weeks pregnant with you inside of her belly, you are losing eggs. You lose about 20 to 30 eggs a day. They just get reabsorbed by your body and die and you can never use them again. It's incredibly depressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so depressing. Yes. And so that rate of decline is even quicker after the age of 35. So inside of your body, like let's say you're, you are 36, right? Yeah. So inside of your body, you could look like you're 26, 36, or 46, which re with regards to the quantity of eggs that you have. So there's like a, there's like a, a general guideline that we follow and you can take someone's lab tests and blood tests and do an ultrasound to kind of see where they are in their spectrum of the quantity of eggs they have during their lifetime. And you would be surprised. One thing I definitely want to emphasize is how many 30-year-old women come to me that are on chronic birth control or IUDs where they don't have their periods and we check their counts 
and they have no eggs left. And they didn't so know that they went through menopause. That. So why, okay, so why would that be? Like, yeah, so that is, is it because of, because somebody asked a question, is it because of the birth control that we take forever that that's the case? Or is it because when you're taking a birth control that stops your period, you aren't aware of your cycle. So you don't know to ask. Right. That is what, that is it. That's okay. So it's not that we're taking yes. birth control. So birth control is killing our eggs and no. it's the devil. It's that if you're not having a regular period, there's no check-in system. Correct. correct. Okay. So, um, with most birth control, you still grow eggs every month and you, and, and it doesn't decrease the amount of eggs that you have in your body at all. And by any ways, and by in any way, um, what it does is it often, some women, a lot of women have periods still on birth control, but some women like to skip that placebo week. And so they don't ever have a period or they have an mm -hmm. IUD and that makes them amenorrheic, meaning they don't have periods for many, many years. And it's, there's a, there's a condition called premature ovarian insufficiency or premature menopause where you undergo menopause essentially before the age of 40. There's a lot of different reasons why that can occur. A lot of women I know personally and patients I have, of course, have this. And they didn't know, like you said, because they weren't getting their periods. They had no idea. They didn't realize those, you know, few night sweats that we all get, you know, yeah. as normal women, like going through life. Because if you didn't get your period for six months, but you get it almost every month, you would have no reason to call your doctor. Because right. if you, I mean, generally speaking, I think most people, like if you get a regular period like once a month and then you don't, and then you're not pregnant, you're like, okay, what is going on? And you are in that doctor's office fast. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so that, so that is, you know, the first general part of infertility, talking about the egg decline and just noting that, you know, you can get checked anytime with, um, blood work and ultrasound. It is true that if you are on birth control pills, you, one of your levels might be a slightly lower than it would be if you weren't on the pills, just because of the way that the pills work. It doesn't make it chronically lower. It's just that if you take your test while you're on the pills, but I still would get it checked a hundred percent because it's not going to lower it to zero. Mm -hmm. If you have zero or any, anything that's significantly low, being on birth control pills is not the reason why it is, yeah. it is something else. And you need to figure out that immediately. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to your body. So basically the definition of infertility we went through trying to get pregnant, not being able to, um, and there are many different reasons. There are three main reasons why people have infertility. So the first, can we go back oh, first yes. of all to, can we go back mm. to the, okay. So there's follicles, there's eggs. Yes. You're born with all the eggs that you're going to have. Right. And then as like, what happens during the cycle of yeah. Okay. Let's go back to a normal woman for sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So if you're totally normal okay. and you know, yeah. this is how in theory yes. it's supposed to be. Sure. If it's like 1000% normal. Yes, for sure. For sure. This is great. Okay. Thank you. Um, so it starts all with the beginning of the month. So, you know, obviously what by that, I mean the beginning of your period start. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your brain starts sending a signal from the brain down to the ovaries to grow one lucky egg. That signal is actually called follicle stimulating hormone because the egg grows in the follicle. And so as one lucky egg gets to grow, all the rest, 20 to 30 eggs that were could have grown, they actually just die, mm -hmm. okay? So every single day, those other eggs are dying. But one lucky egg gets to start to grow. After two weeks of, as it's growing, it's releasing 
a hormone. A hormone is just a fancy term for a signal. It's releasing a signal called estrogen. Estrogen is telling your body, your brain, that, hey, I'm growing an egg. You're doing what you want, what you want me to do. And it also tells the lining of your uterus to get really thick and fat and juicy because it's going to release an egg pretty soon and it needs to be ready to implant a baby if you get pregnant and have sex at the right time and all that stuff. So, um, after two weeks of growing, the estrogen level is so high that the brain's like, ooh, I have a really, really big egg growing. I'm going to go ahead and send this very special signal, um, the ovulation signal, also called LH, um, that's released just for like 20 minutes. And it causes that big egg to grow, to burst open and ovulate. Or, and that egg goes into, it should travel just into that fallopian tube on that side. That fallope, if you have sex at the right time, the egg tra is traveling in the fallopian tube. And if you have sex at the right time, sperm will swim up through the vagina, obviously through the cervix, which is the end of the uterus, and through the uterus, and then into that tube and fertilize the egg there in the tube. And then a couple of days, like five days later, the, the embryo will implant into the wall of the uterus. Now, back to right when you ovulated and released that egg. So instead of that follicle releasing estrogen, which it was, it was doing previously to grow that lining very thick and juicy, it then starts releasing a different signal. And that signal is called progesterone. Progesterone is, a, is the signal after you release the egg that tells the lining of the uterus, hold up, I just released an egg. Do not shed the lining of this uterus. I'm going to act like glue on the lining of the uterus. Do not shed because I maybe have a baby implanting in the next couple of weeks. So that's what progesterone does. And it stays around for about two weeks at least, okay? Two weeks later, your body does a check and it says, Who, hey, did I, did I make a baby? And did that baby start implant into the wall of my uterus? And if it did, that progesterone thing from the ovary stays around for most of your whole pregnancy. And it's making sure you don't take away that glue and shed that whole thick lining of your uterus so mm -hmm. you don't have a miscarriage. If the body does not detect it implanted, then it says, sorry, it's been two weeks since I released the egg. You missed your chance. You didn't make a baby an implant. I'm going to go ahead and die. This thing is going <laughs> to die and I'm not going to make any more progesterone. There's no more glue on the wall of my uterus. So it's going to go ahead and go away. And then the whole entire lining just shuts. So a normal woman takes two weeks to grow an egg and two weeks to maybe have a baby. That's a total of four weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Two plus two. So that's why a normal woman that is releasing an egg every month, which you should do, is going to have a period every four weeks because it takes two weeks to grow an egg, two weeks to make a baby. If you don't make a baby, you shed the lining of your uterus. So when we say like death a lot, I know that's like, sounds like a negative word, but I want to emphasize to you that that is how much, like, I don't want to say the odds are against you because I don't think like scientifically they're against you. But my point is it takes so much for that to happen. Like if your body, if you feel like your body is failing you and not doing that, it is an incredibly hard thing to do. Like it takes a lot out of your body to do that. So you are not abnormal. You are not crazy and you are definitely not alone. So many women go through this. And I should say also, and I, I forgot to mention this at the top. So I actually had a chemical pregnancy a couple months ago, meaning that I took three positive tests. Then the next week I had a negative test. So what happens in a chemical pregnancy why does that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. So 
a chemical pregnancy is in t- technically defined as if you've um, taken a blood test and it's positive, which it would have been, I'm sure, if you had multiple yeah. positive urine pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of different reasons why people's, you know, basically their embryo will stick and grow, but then it stops growing. And so you have a miscarriage. So you have your period a little bit late, a little bit later. Yeah. Also, you can have miscarriages, of course, much later on in, you know, at, like, you know, in your first, after, after two months or after mm-hmm. three months. Uh, but there's a lot of different reasons. The most common cause of a, a pregnancy loss before 10 weeks is due to just random errors that occur as um, the egg. So when the egg and the sperm get together to create an embryo, um, there are always errors that occur. But our normal, but our young healthy eggs under the age of 35 can usually correct any errors that occur and result in normal healthy babies. Mm -hmm. But as we get older after 35, when an egg and a sperm get together to create an embryo and the embryo starts to divide and those errors occur, our machinery just isn't as good. So we mm-hmm. cannot correct the errors as well. And so we end up having random chromosomal abnormalities that end in miscarriage because that baby is not gonna is not gonna survive that pregnancy right. typically. And it will end in a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you'll have it very early on after implantation where you'll have like just a biochemical, you didn't make it to your ultrasound. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be a little bit later, but that's the most common cause of first trimester miscarriage. So you were saying that there's like six, did you say six different kinds of infertility? There's, Is that uh, what you said? There's lots of different types, but there's three general categories, three, okay. yeah, that I think about when I talk about infertility. So the first is um, the eggs. So I want to make sure that the woman has eggs. And obviously that depends a lot on your age. Um, and I can do those blood tests and the ultrasound looking at the fo- the number of follicles I can see on your ultrasound to kind of tell me where you're at in that spectrum of, you know, the age-related fertility decline with their number of eggs. And the second thing with eggs is the ability to release the egg every month or ovulate. Um, the easiest way to tell if someone is releasing an egg every month or ovulating is if they have a period every month and don't ever mm-hmm. skip their periods like we just talked about. Um, the second category I think about with regards to infertility is your anatomy or the structures inside of your body. Are your fallopian tubes open so they can catch the egg when it's released every month? Are is your Is the cavity of your uterus nice and normal? Does it have any big growths inside of it, like polyps or fibroids or scar tissue. And then the third and final area that we look at with regards to infertility is male factor. So it do, does the guy have sperm in his semen that he's ejaculating? Does it, If he has the sperm, is it moving? Is it moving? Are most of them moving? How many of them are moving? Um, how much sperm does he have? You know, how many sperm And you guys in? can see, like, you can find out how quickly sperm are moving, right? Like you can find out yeah. how fast they are. Well, you mostly look at what the, when you look under a microscope at, mm-hmm. at a sperm sample or a semen analysis, you count the number of sperm and also the percentage that are modal or just look okay. like they're moving. And yeah. then um, even more specifically, you you sometimes look at how many are moving forward versus moving backwards and all around in circles. But most importantly, the fact that they're moving is important. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I feel like this is like a good intro biology. Don't be afraid to like call. We know what happens like during a cycle. Um, And to be honest, I didn't even know. So I had a consult with Dr. Libby. Then that was the first thing. Then you have a team of people. So there's like a, you know, financial services person that kind of helps you understand. And they literally gave me like an itemized thing of like, okay, this is what we're saying we think would be good for you. 
And I even went a step further to say, okay, let's break it down. Like, what's the first thing? Like, I need like, you know, one chunk of this at a time. And so it's like the first part of this. Okay. So on the first day of your cycle, call me. That's what the woman at your office, sweet Adrian said to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I feel really stupid. What's the first day of a cycle? Like, is the first day, is it spotting? Is it actually like when you see blood? Like I felt so dumb asking that, but she was really nice. She's like, okay, here's the deal. Um, spotting. That's not when you call me. When you see blood, if it's before 3 p.m., you call me that day. If it's after 3 p.m., you call me the next day, and that'll be, like, your first day. So I'm like, how the heck am I 36 just now finding out, like, what day one of a cycle is? Mm -hmm. But there are so many of us that don't know. Because it's like we're told so many things, and then it's confusing. Yeah, the whole thing is kind of confusing. So I didn't even know that. Um here's a popular question that I got is how often, if someone's trying to get pregnant, how often ideally would you be having sex? I personally have read a lot of like different things. Like, is it every other day? Is it every 36 hours? Is Mm -hmm. it like, what's the deal? Yeah. So in general, if, if you are a fertile couple, meaning you don't, you're not, you don't have that infertility yet. Like you're Mm -hmm. just trying to get pregnant. If there's a lot of sperm, you should be able to have sex every day and get pregnant. Okay. Um, so every day doesn't work against you. It does. It shouldn't. However, okay. if you have infertility, meaning you've been trying to get pregnant and you haven't been able to get pregnant, um, then our recommendation is to have sex every other day during the fertile window. Of course, you can have sex outside of that as well, but um, meaning outside the fertile window, but you can, but our recommendation is not to have sex every single day if you are infertile. Okay. Okay. So it would be, um, your fertile window is typically when you you test your ovulation. So, so you're saying you can go. So for someone who's like on the very beginning of this process and just starting the journey, um, the advice is just, okay, just start having sex, just have a lot of sex and have fun with it and do your thing and figure it out or whatever. The second part of that would be knowing exactly when you're ovulating. And do you recommend that people do like to the ovulation test that you get at like CVS to those work? Yes. Are they accurate? Yeah. So yeah, for almost all women, for most women, they work. There is a subset of women, women with PCOS, polycystic Mm -hmm. ovary syndrome, where their baseline level that we detect in the urine to see when you're ovulating is super high at all times. Mm-hmm. So that will not work for them. It, they'll say it doesn't work for me or it's always positive. Okay, those women just need to come in for blood tests and so we can check it not through the urine but through the blood and that's mm-hmm. accurate. For all other women, yes, they do work. Now, some are definitely more confusing than others. So I always tell my patients to get this one ovulation test from Amazon because it's the cheapest. You can get a pack of 10 for like $30 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called clear blue digital easy. And it will, it should show you like a, like blinking, a smiley face yes. or a, okay. So it literally says like you pee <laughs> on a stick and you, I, how do you know even when to start peeing? Does it say on the thing? It may say on the thing, but I always tell my patients to check just one time a day in the morning with the second pee of the morning. So okay. not the first pee, go pee, then drink some water, next pee, pee on the stick. Okay. Um, and that just once a day. And and if you check more than once a day, it's not going to, we're not going to be able to guide you on when to have sex. Okay. So you are starting that like the the day after your period stops, you would just start once a day, second pee of the day, 
So in general, in general, I typically say start on day 10. So the first day of your period, the first day of the full flow of your period is day one. Mm-hmm. And then on day 10, you, you start checking, you okay. pee. And then you kind of record that there are apps. Do you have one that you like more than another? No. No. Okay. So any app, there's like a ton of apps yeah. out there. Google it. You can find what works for you. And then you basically just say, you tell the app, yeah, I took an ovulation test. And all of this stuff is information you can use, right? If mm-hmm. somebody comes to a, to a consult. Um, and it's interesting because I actually dipped, ditched the ovulation things. Cause I was just kind of just got sick of taking tests and seeing things and it was stressing me out. But I feel like I was more interested after I had my first fertility consult in doing that because one thing you said to me, um, was that I might be ovulating later than I think I am. So I might actually be on my app, might being saying, be saying one thing, but since I'm not testing my ovulation, maybe since my period was a couple days later than it was supposed to be, maybe I actually do need to be testing that ovulation just to see and give us like a baseline of, okay, like, is it off? Is it not off? Um, yeah, that's very true. Like so many patients come to me and they're like, oh yeah, I track my ovulation. I just look at the app and it tells me when I have sex. I'm like, no. Okay. Yeah. Do, do not rely on those apps. Okay. Because every woman is different. What we, what you need to every woman. So let's say like a, the normal length of a cycle. So meaning from one, the first day of a period to the next first day of your period is anywhere between 21 and 38 days. Okay. So you could have a period every 21 days. That's considered normal. The app will tell you that app without peeing on a stick, it would tell you, uh, it may tell you you're ovulating on day 14, but you're not, you're ovulating way before that. And if you have a period every 38 days, the app will tell you you're ovulating on day 14, but it's, you're not, you're actually going to ovulate on day like 20, uh, like 14 days before your next period starts. So day, oh my gosh, uh, 20, Oh my God, 24. You could say anything because I'm not doing the math in my yeah, head. Yeah, <laughs> okay, 24. Um, so basically, you you should rely on your sticks and you don't even need to record in an app. You can, but most of, just record on your calendar on your phone. Okay. Just say positive ovulation and that's yeah, what you can- Just write it down somewhere. Yeah, and then so you, you want to definitely have sex. What I usually say is, on day 10, when you're, when you're you know, testing with this, when you start testing with the strip, start having sex every other day. And then on the day that it's positive, no matter what, no matter if you had sex the day before or not, have sex that day and the next day. Those are the most important days. Um, that it, that you're ovulating. That The most important days to have sex. Yeah. Yeah. On, okay. the, day on that, the days that you're ovulating. Yes. yes. The day okay. that it's positive and the next day. Um, does time of day that you have sex impact at all? No. No. Okay. Someone said, how old is too old to come see a fertility specialist? Good question. So it depends on the clinic. Um, but I get, we are able to help women get pregnant up until the age of 51. Oh my gosh. That, that's amazing. amazing. But here's the thing, even if they're after menopause. So I have 35 year olds that had menopause at 30 and I get them pregnant. Here's the thing though. It's not using their own eggs. Yeah. Okay. okay. So if you want to get pregnant using your own eggs, yes. You can get pregnant with at our clinic. Every clinic's different. But the reason why we have cutoffs and guidelines is because as you get older, regardless of the age of your egg, you as a female have undergoing pregnancy, which puts a lot of stress on your body. 
is harder and you have increased risk of things like high blood pressure in pregnancy and diabetes in pregnancy as Mm -hmm. you get older, high risk of C-sections. So we don't want you or the baby to have a bad outcome. We we think that the risk-benefit ratio does not make sense for you to carry a pregnancy after the age of 51. Now, for you to use your own eggs, we will help you get pregnant just with uh, like telling you when to have sex and also when when we will also inject sperm into your uterus with an intrauterine insemination up until the age of 47. If you want to do in vitro fertilization with your own eggs, you can do that up until your 46th birthday. Um, After the age of 46, and let's say you have to do IVF, then you have to use donor eggs, which is a great option, not not an option that a lot of women want to do initially. But once they realize that that may be the only way for them to carry a pregnancy, that is an amazing option. So basically you find- Do you guys have- Yes. Okay, resources to yeah. help people find Yeah, so we have, we have our own egg donor bank, a huge, massive one, one of the biggest in the United States. But there's a lot of donor banks out, egg donor banks out there. So what happens with that process is you go and you say, you know what, I didn't get pregnant a hundred times doing all of this, or I'm in menopause, I need to use a donor egg. And so the doctor talks you through that whole process. And then basically with our clinic, you're assigned a whole new team of donor egg, you know, people that only deal with women that are using donor eggs. And mm-hmm. it's super common. You would not know how many people need to use donor eggs. And then you get this like access to the, our donor egg database, mm-hmm. which basically has information on the egg donors, like their age, their um obviously they have to be under the age of 31. They have like, we do strict criteria for screening our egg donors. Only about 5% of the women that come to us every year actually get accepted into our egg donor program. Like, you know, social work, I mean, psychological evaluation, Mm -hmm. um, drug screen, medical evaluation, you know, tons and tons of evaluations. Um, but within our egg bank, we have things like, you know, this is their, their, um, we have, childhood pictures of them, you know, like what ethnicity they are. That's crazy. And so you would pick an egg donor that looks like you when you were a baby and it's completely anonymous. And, um, it's an amazing, amazing program. So cool. Science is amazing. I'm like, you can literally like take your baby pictures in and find like, that is yeah. Nuts. And so That's even so though cool. it's not your own, you know, your own eggs from yourself, you're carrying that pregnancy from mm-hmm. day one, literally that embryo you're being created. So yeah. you are the mom, you mm-hmm. know, so it's not That's the first option. So necessarily, cool. I love one. that. This conversation is just getting started and we decided to continue our chat in a second episode, which is available right now. So you can jump right into the next episode. For more information on Dr. Libby or Shady Grove Fertility, which has offices in 11 states, you can find her on Instagram at Valerie Libby, L-I-B-B-Y-M-D, or visit ShadyGroveFertility.com. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Most people learn about The Upside from their friends. Please tell everyone you know about this podcast so the amazing Upside community can continue to grow. And one last thing. We would love to stay in touch with you by text. Text the word UPSIDE to 800-434-5454 and then save it in your phone as Callie and Jeff.